Illegal migrants in New York City will not be allowed to vote after all. A judge has struck down the law in New York City that allowed illegals, I'm sorry, undocumented migrants, we don't want to offend the illegals, but that law that allowed illegals to vote in New York City has been struck down in woke New York City. And uh, the problem is a little detail called the New York State Constitution. I guess no, none of those Democrats who passed the law ever bothered to read that Constitution. The Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, has overturned Roe v. Wade. Democrats are having a meltdown. Democrats acting like the world is coming to an end because in some states they are not going to be allowed to kill an unborn child. Uh, Russia's economy is stronger than ever. Russia's economy, as a result of the Biden sanctions, Russia's economy is now stronger than it's been in years because the price of oil is off the charts and Russia is selling oil at record high prices. You cannot make this stuff up. They're raking in billions. So the sanctions against Russia are actually helping Vladimir Putin while they crush American citizens. Nancy Pelosi shoved her elbow into a little girl. It's on video. We will tell you all about that. Uh, All of that is coming up, and I'm going to tell you the real strategy of the Democrats, of the the bogus January 6th hearings that the Democrats have been holding. Police in Chicago are, get this, police in Chicago are no longer allowed, new policy in Chicago. Chicago police officers are not allowed to chase a suspect just because the suspect fled from the cops. In other words, literally, I mean, the woke Chicago PD Literally, if a police officer is walking toward, innocently walking towards somebody, maybe somebody looks suspicious, maybe the cops are just strolling along, and somebody decides to turn and run, run away from the, sees the cops, turns around and runs, well, what would you think you would do? If you're a police officer, you'd chase them, you'd run after them to see why they're running away from you, and just because you're a cop. Well, it turns out now, according to Chicago policy, that's actually you're going to be breaking policy. If you, if a police officer uh, sees somebody turn around and run away from them, they're not allowed to chase that. They're not allowed. They're literally breaking policy. Chicago PD has unveiled this new policy prohibiting officers from chasing people on foot simply because they run away or because they've committed minor offenses. So it's not just that they're running away. If they actually shoplifted, you're not allowed. And they run away, and they run from the cop. You're not allowed to chase them. You can't make this stuff. But this is this is lunacy. This is lunacy, and um, and and the reason given, by the way, is because the fact that they're running from the cops that in and of itself is not suspicious. This is not me talking. This is the actual policy. Is there's nothing inherently suspicious about somebody running away from the cops? What about the fact that they just committed a misdemeanor? I don't know, but the new policy in Chicago makes it clear that those days are over. The days when a cop sees somebody. Running away from, I mean, it's like you literally imagine you're standing there and a police officer approaches. I don't know. I see a police officer. I feel safe. I don't run away. I want to be near them. But a a police officer approaches. You turn around and run from the hills and the police officer is not allowed to chase you. Here's what the policy says. Quote, police uh, people may avoid contact with an officer for many reasons other than involvement in criminal activity. So you're not – that's literally a direct quote from this policy. People may avoid contact with an officer for many reasons other than involvement in criminal activity. There are so many other reasons. Well, can you name one? 
What, what's the reason? I mean, maybe the police officer has has a bad odor. May, you know, maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe you see the police officer, you just remembered. Oh, wait a second, I'm late for dinner. Tell me the reasons other than in, involvement in criminal activity that people see a cop and decide, let me run for the hills. I mean, uh, I, I don't, I don't run, I don't run when I see cops. By the way, this policy also encourages police to consider alternatives to pursuing somebody who is visibly armed with a firearm. I kid you not. Literally a direct quote from the policy. It encourages cops, please look for an alternative. If if you see somebody who's visibly armed, you see somebody holding a weapon, holding a firearm, holding a gun, and you want to chase them, consider alternatives other than chasing the guy with the gun. You cannot make this stuff up. All right, so of course, as we said, the Supreme Court has overturned a bunch of big Supreme Court decisions, of course, mostly conservative decisions, because of course, this, the Supreme Court is majority conservative. And Roe v. Wade, they are giving Roe v. Wade back to the states. In other words, they are giving abortion back to the states to decide. The court is not saying whether abortion is legal or illegal. They're saying abortion is not a guaranteed protection under the Constitution, and therefore, it goes to the states. Now, here's what they're doing. They're bowing out. The Supreme Court, you know, the Democrats uh, who are having a meltdown, let me just say this, to Ocasio and all the Democrats who are having a meltdown, the court is not saying it's illegal. Maybe, you know, I would not be unhappy if the court said it's illegal. I would love the court to say it's illegal, you know, other than obviously extreme circumstances where it's necessary for the sake of the mother. But that's not what the court is saying. The court is saying we're bowing out. We leave it to the states. So how is that a bad thing? Even the Democrats who believe in this, who are having a meltdown, we know that half the states, right, we know all the blue states are are already passing laws, making it very clear that they are legalizing abortion. They've already done that, most of them. So uh, there's always going to be a sanctuary. There's always going to be a place for people to go. And what's the problem with the fact that they're saying, listen, it's up to the states. If a state decides we want to go one direction, you go one direction. Like, that. that's what you should want. That's called small government. The answer is because Democrats want to control everything. You know, think about this. Most conservatives that I know are, are not saying, listen, I think we should make it illegal. They are praising this decision. And and again, let's leave religion out of this for a moment. You know, let's just focus on the actual policy. And yeah, look, I think many conservatives should say that you should make it illegal. You should make it illegal to hurt a fetus, to to, to literally kill an unborn child. But like the Democrats, it's this, I would call this a compromise, what the Supreme Court did here. Ocasio-Cortez said, you know, she said the Supreme Court should not get involved. This is about women, it's a women's issue, and the Supreme Court should not get involved in the issue of abortion. Well, that's exactly what they said. They said, we're not getting involved. We're not, we're not involved. That's what the court, Ocasio is saying, like, the court should not get involved in this. This is not an issue for the court to decide. That's exactly what the Supreme Court said. And by the way, uh, some Democrats now, a lot of Democrats, they think that this might be what saves them come November, right? Obviously, the Democrats are in total frenzy, a total panic because they're getting set for a bloodbath come November uh, in the midterm elections, obviously, because Biden is the worst president in history, in U.S. history. I mean, he's just a total failure in, in every sense of the word, and especially the economy. When the economy's bad, the party in power loses. So the Democrats are thinking, well, this is our chance now. We focus, we make this, this is going to be the central theme of the campaign in, in November is the abortion issue, and they think that 
that's somehow going to create backlash and that's somehow going to make a lot of women vote Democrat instead of Republican. I don't think anybody's even going to be thinking about this come November. I think that's a big mistake for the Democrats, but that's kind of, you know, they're hoping well, they'll be their lifeline. And I just briefly, we're not going to spend, we spent time on this in the past, not going to spend a lot of time on this on Roe v. Wade, but the original Roe v. Wade decision in 1973, I mean, it was, it, it was a joke. It, like, the, nobody objective believes that Roe v. Wade it was was constitutional. In in fact, in fact, the you know Justice Alito, who wrote the decision, uh, th- this decision in this in this case that overturned Roe v. Wade, you know, he basically hints to the fact that the original decision in 1973 that was done under political pressure that the Supreme Court they didn't really believe that the Constitution protects the right to abortion, but rather. Yeah, they were just – it was all politics. They they were so liberal, so leftist, and they just – they started off with the conclusion that we have to figure out a way to, to guarantee the legality of abortion, and then we'll just kind of make stuff up. And that's pretty much what they did because, they number one, they made up something called a right to privacy. They they manufactured that. It doesn't say anywhere in the Constitution that, that you have a right to privacy. And then number two, even if there would be a right to privacy, which was made up – the right to privacy is not extend does not extend to allow you to kill somebody. So you're killing a fetus, you're killing an unborn child, just because you have a right to privacy. Let's say I have a right to privacy. It doesn't mean if somebody comes into my house that I'm allowed to hurt that person. I'm not talking about if that person's a threat. I'm talking if that person poses no threat. If I invited that person into my house or that person's a guest in my house, right to privacy doesn't allow you to kill them. So extending the right to privacy to allow you to destroy a fetus, which whether you know they view fetus, let's say, as potential life, unborn child, however you define it, they literally made it up. They legislated it from the bench back in 1973. So Roe v. Wade was an egregious miscarriage of justice. So this is the absolute right decision from a constitutional standpoint, from a legal standpoint. Even a lot of left- leftists agree that this was hands down the correct decision. There's some people who say, yeah, but there's precedent. You don't want to overturn a previous decision by the Supreme Court here. There were two decisions because they reaffirmed the decision in the 90s. And the response, Alito's response to that was, he's like, listen, I understand there are times when we do stare decisis, which which essentially is a Latin phrase meaning precedent. There are times when we respect the president, but precedent, meaning previous rulings by the court. But this literally flat out goes against the Constitution. I mean, he proved how this this completely, completely flies in the face. The the, the original 1973 decision completely misinterpreted the Constitution. In those cases, he says, you do not, you know, factor precedent into account. Another big Supreme Court decision was handed down on Monday, and that was a ruling in favor of a football coach who worked for a public school, and he was fired because he decided to pray. This football coach who worked for a public school decided to get down on his knees and pray after football games. He'd go to the like the 50-yard line, the middle of the field, the football field, and he would pray. By the way, he did this on his own. He did this himself. He wasn't like encouraging others to join him. Eventually, others decided to join him, and then maybe he encouraged them or asked them or something, you know, gathered other people around, students or whatever – but he wasn't like pressuring them to join because that that's a big part of the issue over here is you know whether or not it, it's an issue of what's the establishment clause the separation of church and state where a public school which is a government institution is not allowed to engage in religious activities so here you have this coach who was a public school football coach and he was praying uh after the game i guess on the field so technically he's on public school property government property and he of course is an employee of 
the public school. So that was the argument was that he was not allowed to pray, even though he wasn't bringing anybody along with him. Eventually, they voluntarily joined. But that's the key. They voluntarily joined. A lot of people misinterpreting this. A lot of people are saying, oh, he was pressuring them. He was coercing them. He's the coach. He was forcing them. He was going to bench them or he was going to punish the, the students if they didn't pray with him. It's not true. In fact, in fact, the lawyers here messed up because the, the school actually fired this coach. They claimed, even in the lawsuit, even in the arguments before the, the courts, the, 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 when they asked the, the public school, why did you fire the coach? They said, we fired the coach because he prayed. Well, was he asking other people to pray? That's not why we fired him. We didn't fire him because of what he did with the others. We fired him because he was saying his prayers on the field, and we didn't accept that. We felt that that violated some kind of rule, some kind of separation of church and state, it, which, it, which it clearly does not, by the way. But the point is that they clearly said they fired him not because of interaction with others, not because he was somehow leading others in prayer, which maybe at some point he was, maybe he wasn't, but they said they fired him because he was praying by himself, which he did that a bunch of times before others decided to go and join him. So the point is maybe the lawyers blew it because maybe the lawyers, in other words, the lawyers for the school, maybe they should have like argued, oh, by the way, we fired him because he was coercing others, but that's not the issue at all uh, by their own admission. And basically the Supreme Court said, listen, you're allowed to pray, and if the public school, you're allowed to, a person's allowed to pray, and this is a very big deal. This is a very big win for freedom of religion, freedom of speech and freedom of religion because they cannot fire a man because he decided to pray. And it's amazing how liberals... They're so terrified of prayer. They're so terrified of religion. It's it's just a, it's just astonishing. I mean that that they find it so offensive. Except when Muslims do it. But you know when when a Muslim like in the middle of in, in in right in public in the middle of just this major crowd, he decides to pull out his mat and decides it's time to pray. That the liberals respect. But any any other religion, if you decide to pray, they find it offensive and they try to figure out a way to prevent you from doing it. And they literally fired this lawyer as a result. Um, and, 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 and here's the thing is, you know, this argument of, well, but he's, you know, there was one argument that was made by the leftist justices in their dissent. And they said, listen, this guy's the coach. So yeah, maybe he wasn't forcing players to play, but he's very influential. He can decide, you know, he can decide the fate of players. He can decide if he wants to punish players. So let's say he says to everybody, Hey guys, you want to pray with me? And some say, yes, some say, no, he's going to punish the, the students that say, no, the players that say, no, I don't want to pray with you. Well, there's a couple of issues over here, but the main point is, like, you could you can make that argument about anything. You know, let's say the, the coach decides that he, he wants them to sing the national anthem. Let's say the coach decides he wants them to perform a cheer, to get together and perform a cheer. Let's say he wants to do the Pledge of Allegiance. Like, there are a lot of things that are not related to religion that the coach can decide, you know what, I think this is a great idea. And then some of the players will say, yeah, great idea, let's do it. Some of the players will say, no, I'm not interested in doing it. And then the coach says, well, you're going to get punished. I'm not going to let you guys play as much because you didn't listen. To like it, 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 that's called being a, a, in a position of authority. When you're in a position of authority, liberals can't handle this. But when you're in a position of authority, you're allowed to do things, even things that are annoying, or you're allowed to pressure people. And, yeah, they'll feel pressure, but that doesn't make it illegal. And, look, I'm not saying that the coach – obviously, I'm not saying I don't think the coach should force anybody to do anything they don't want to do, whether it's prayer or something religious or whether it's something secular. That's not my point. My point is you can't fire the coach. You know, let, let's say – let's even say – you know, whatever. We can come up with a million examples. Let's say the coach would make them sing the you know, pledge, the pledge of allegiance, sing the national anthem, right? And uh, and the school says, "Oh, that's not fair, coach, because you're going to feel some of these players they don't like to sing. They're going to feel pressure." And and the school fires the the coach, right? 
you, you can have that conversation. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, like, the coach is allowed. Like, like literally, where do you draw the line? I'm not saying if the coach says, listen, you sing the national anthem or I'm go- or, 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 or I'm going to kick you off the team. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking the coach just says, listen, hey, guys, who wants to sing? Some of them join. Some of them don't. Yeah, he's a position of authority, so they're going to respect his wishes if they're smart. All right, so President Biden, we didn't discuss this. President Biden, of course, fell off his bike a couple of weeks back. He was biking. He was on vacation. And he fell off the bike, and uh, he apparently was was okay. Well, let's qualify that. He was okay, but he was only as okay as he was before he fell off the bike. So I don't know if you call that okay, but but he wasn't any worse off, it seems, after falling off the bike. In fact, in fact there was a, a headline in the Babylon Bee. The Babylon Bee, of course, is this satirical conservative news website. And the headline was something like, you know, Biden advisors concerned – that Biden suffered a concussion after he been, begins to speak coherently. <laughs> so he, after he fell off the bike, he started to speak coherently. So they were worried, uh-oh, maybe maybe he's not feeling okay. Why is he suddenly speaking coherently all, all of a sudden after he falls off the bike? So a caller said to me, a listener said to me, you know, why didn't you talk about Biden falling off the bike? And the answer is very simple. I don't like to focus – anyone who knows me, you know, I don't like to focus on those kinds of gossipy stories. I really – I don't feel there's like a lot of substance in the story. Not, now, look, you're going to say to me, but what do you mean? It's just another example. Biden, he's in cognitive decline. He keeps doing this. He keeps stammering. He keeps getting confused. He keeps he, – he'll like wander off mid-sentence. He's talking about who knows what, and he just like loses his train of thought and just like – just like 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 the words like fizzle out of his mouth doesn't even complete his sentence he just starts to like mutter and ramble like random things all of that is true and you'll say well but this is just another symptom of that because he's he's falling off his bike number one young people also fall off their bike and number two and people who are you know very very healthy and very coherent and with it but that's not even my point my point is that there are so many real issues that i have with biden and I don't, I don't just mean with his policies. I mean with his cognitive decline. There is so, mi- so much evidence of his cognitive decline. I don't need to go there with the falling off the bike. I feel bad in a way that he fell off the bike because it's just like it's just, it's just yet, yet another nail in the coffin. I mean it's just like just something like what more could happen to the man? Oh, he fell off his bike, right? But there are so many issues day in and day out, real issues in terms of cognitive decline that like are just frightening. They're literally scary that I, that I really want to focus on. For example, you know, there's a picture that surfaced of a, of a, a few weeks ago. He was given a cheat sheet. And he, he this happens all the time, I'm sure, but it, it just so happened that somebody got a picture of it where he's holding a cheat sheet um, for a certain event. There was some event he was hosting the AFL-CIO in the White House, and they gave him a cheat sheet for the event, step-by-step instructions, and it literally reminded him to say hello. It literally reminded him to take his seat. Like this cheat sheet, so many details. Clearly, they, they they think that if they don't remind Biden to say hello and to take his seat, then he's not going to know what to do. He's going to be standing there. Well, what do I say now? You say hello because you just walked into a room with a bunch of people that you're greeting. You're the president. No, it says say hello. And by the way, it says you in capital letters. Every time it says you, it says you enter the room. You say hello, right? You take your seat. The you and the your Y-O-U, Y-O-U-R, they are literally in caps. They're, they're, they're capitalized because they're worried that he's not going to know that, it, that it, they're talking to him. This is frightening. This is terrifying. Say hello, take your seat. I mean, and then they wonder why foreign leaders have zero respect for Biden. And, and by the way, they usher him off every time a reporter gets within 50 feet of the man and asks him a question, a softball question. These reporters, 
They're not asking him tough questions. They're asking him, for the most part, for the most part, they're asking him very basic questions. Hey, Mr. President, are you going to be speaking to President Xi? Do you plan to speak to Chinese President Xi? You know, hey, Mr. President, tell us about the summit. Like, like really softball questions that any child should be able to answer. And they, they literally shuffle him away. They're terrified of what he's, you know, hey, Mr. President, did you have oatmeal for breakfast or did you have scrambled eggs? Like, get him away. No questions. We, we don't know what he's possibly going to respond. It's frightening. I mean, he, he, he was a guest on Jimmy Kimmel's television show, The Comedian, and he couldn't, com- he couldn't finish a sentence. I mean, Jimmy Kimmel literally had to cut him off and go to commercial to rescue him from himself. So, so those are like very severe issues. I mean, that's serious cognitive decline. I mean, the man is a shell of his former self. If you look at him, even from the beginning of the campaign, you compare videos of that to now, and it's just frightening You know, how in, in such short amount of time how severely the man has declined. So yes, we need to focus on that. We need to focus on Biden being in cognitive decline. We need to know that the man who's supposed to be the leader of the free world, the man who's supposed to be running our country, the man who's responsible for the disastrous economy, for the, 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 the mess in Ukraine, for the mess in Afghanistan, for the mess at the border, and multiple other messes. Iran is like a few weeks away from a nuclear weapon, thanks to Biden. Like We need to know that the man running the country is, is not Biden. I don't know who it is, but, it, but it certainly we know who it's not. It's not Joe Biden. That we need to know. But falling off the bike to me is kind of more peripheral. I need to mention this about COVID because – uh-oh, why are we bringing up COVID? Well, I'll tell you why because if you look at the numbers, um, the numbers are staggering. And here I'm, I have a point to make here. And my, my point is not to cr- try to create panic. My point is that the media is ignoring – if these numbers, the COVID numbers were happening under Trump, all we would hear about day and night is how – COVID is spreading out of control and it's Trump's fault. But because Biden's president, you know, people said this. I was skeptical. People said this. Every time the media would have another meltdown, going a frenzy over the COVID numbers going up, people said, oh, it's only because of Trump. If Biden were president, if Democrat were president, you know, they wouldn't even be telling us about COVID. They wouldn't even report on it. And I, did, I was skeptical, but that's a fact. And, and let me explain what I mean, because you're going to say to me, listen, the deaths are way down. The same thing happened under Trump. Let me read you some numbers over here. COVID cases, June 26th, COVID cases, 110,000 COVID cases, June 26th. Uh, how many COVID cases a year ago? A year ago, 11,000 cases of COVID a year ago. So June 26th of this year, 110,000 cases. June 26th of last year, 2021, 11,000 cases. That, that That's literally 10 times. Right now, the amount of cases, COVID cases, are is 10 times higher than it was one year ago. Okay. Now, if you look at COVID deaths, COVID deaths are the same. Obviously, that's a very good thing. Obviously, it's good. We, even one death is too many. We don't want any deaths. But if the deaths are the same, if the number of cases has gone way, way up, but the number of deaths are the, are the same, the number of deaths are 370 this year, 307 last year. So it's more deaths. But obviously, it's pretty close, you know, considering that the amount of cases is literally 10x, literally 10 times the amount of cases. But my point is this. My point is how many times under Trump did we hear COVID cases going up, more COVID cases, surging COVID cases? And we said, well, what about the COVID deaths? There are more COVID cases, but are there more hospitalizations? Are there more deaths? And the media said, well, we're going to focus on cases. We want to focus on cases. Cases means being transmitted. Eventually, there might be deaths. There might be hospitalizations. But that's what happened with Trump. They focused on the amount of cases, even if the amount of deaths stayed the same or decreased. With Trump, they focused on the, the amount of cases. And I always said, why are you focusing on the amount of cases? Focus on the amount of deaths. But that's just how the media did it. That's how they, they wanted to nail Trump. They wanted to blame Trump. And yet when it comes to Biden, if they focus on cases, it's out of control. It's, it's literally a, a, a year ago, June 26th 
21, it was 11,000 cases. Now it's 110,000 cases. And yet then nobody's focusing on it because it's Biden, not Trump. So those people who said, listen, COVID's only an issue under Trump and not under Biden was were 100 percent correct. Um, all right. What is the real purpose of the January 6th hearings? Some people believe we know what it's not. It's not because anybody cares because nobody in the country cares about January 6th. The, des- the Democrats are so desperate because it's all they've got. And uh, they've got this disaster of a president in Biden. And um, all they have to hold their hands on, hold their hold their heads on, hold their hats on, whatever the the, the expression is, uh, is uh, it, hold their hang their hats on, right? I think I don't know. Fill in the blank. But all they've got is January sixth. Like that's all. It's so pathetic. Uh, it, it, Trump hasn't been president in a year and a half, and that's all they focus on. And by the way, Trump requested ten thousand National Guard troops. Oh, and by the way, and, and Pelosi refused. And by the way. Uh, the Capitol is supposed to be the safest compound in the world, and yet it was breached by a bunch of lunatics, and most of them were invited in by, like, the cops. So, I mean, it's, it's just like it, – it, it, the whole thing's a joke. The whole thing is, is, is manufactured probably by, the, by Pelosi and the Democrats. But either way so, – so that's not what January 6th is about. But some people believe, and I thought it was about November. You know, the Democrats are trying to use it. It's like a last-ditch effort. It's the only thing they have – to try to basically win in November is, yeah, Biden's the worst president ever. Yeah, the country's socialist. Yeah, the country's woke. Uh, yeah, everybody's miserable. But January 6th, at least it's not Trump. But I don't think that's what it is. I don't think they have a, sh- a shot for, for, for November. I don't think January 6th helps November. I think what it's really about is dividing Republicans. And it's not going to work, by the way. But because what's happening is they're trying to depict Trump as a lunatic. If you look at the theme... They interviewed all these Republicans, and they're taking so many things out of context, so many of these videos, but they interviewed a lot of Republicans, a lot of Republicans, a lot of Trump allies. And they got these Republicans, you know, Will, William Barr, obviously we know what happened there. They had a falling out. Look, sooner or later, tr- Trump, you know, uh, alienates people. People alienate Trump. I mean, look at Bolton, you know, Jeff Sessions. We can name a lot of Republicans, a lot of conservatives. I disagree with a lot of them. I think a lot of them are so – it's so egregious that they abandoned Trump after all the things that Trump has done for the for the country, for the, the party, and for conserv- for conservatism. But that's beside the point. But they're, they're trying to divide, stick a wedge between Trump and all of his advisors and all of these other Republicans. And that way, what they want to do is they want a lot of Republican voters to say, uh, listen, I can't believe that Trump did that to A.G. William Barr. I can't, I can't believe Trump did it. You know, you name, these, you know, forget Liz Cheney, but a lot of these a lot of these other Republicans basically said, oh, listen, January 6th, this is a bad idea. We can't overturn the election. Trump and Pence. You know, there's a lot of Republicans who kind of uh, abandoned Trump when Trump was saying the election was stolen. And these Republicans, they jumped ship. They abandoned him. That's what this is really about. They, because here's the thing. Trump's going to win the nomination. I, 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 if Trump runs and he's going to run, I believe you know, he's going to win the nomination. And the Democrats are terrified of Trump winning the nomination. What they're trying to do is. They're trying to make it that Trump cannot win the general election. They want Trump to win the nomination, but then to lose the general election in 2024. They want him to tank because they want a lot of Republic, a lot of independent voters and a lot of moderate Republican voters to say, wow, this guy Trump, he's a lunatic. He was even abandoned by his own party. And, and so they're going to show these videos again and again of, of, of these Republicans saying, oh, yeah, Giuliani. I, I thought he was crazy. The election was stolen. That whole narrative. A lot of Republicans said, listen, the uh, Trump was wrong. The election wasn't stolen. I believe that's what that's the Democrat real strategy over here is that uh, basically turn like any what they consider common sense, reasonable Republican, turn them against Trump so that, yes, he'll win. He has such a loyal base. He's bound to win the primaries. But 
He, they're hoping that he'll lose a general. I don't think it's going to work. I think, number one, bottom line at the end of the day, Republicans rally around their guy, the, the, whoever the candidate may be. And number two, I mean, the country, you know, unless there's some kind of miraculous recovery, the country is going to be in such bad shape economically uh, that uh, people, are, people aren't going to care. They're, they're not going to care if Trump shoots somebody in Times Square. They'll, they'll still vote for him. But that's happening. Democrats are trying to make him a toxic candidate. All right, Nancy Pelosi elbowed a little girl, shoved a little girl with her elbow. This, this girl must be 10 or 11 years old. She's a Republican. She's a Republican girl. And um, you know she's the daughter of this congresswoman, this Myra Flores, who's a congresswoman who actually she was just elected. She, she was elected in a Democrat district in Texas, but a Democrat district. This district has not gone Republican uh, in, in like many, many decades, which, which shows you like a major radical shift. That's also a response probably to, to Biden and his border policies. But this this district in Texas that elected this new G- GOP congresswoman, like a special election that was held, M- Myra Flores, and uh, she was just elected, so she was posing for pictures, her family, with Pelosi. And there's literally this video of Pelosi taking posing for a picture with his family. Pelosi standing next to the girl, and Pelosi shoves her with her elbow, moves her over, gives her a little push with her elbow. And it's like... You look at it. Are you serious? Like, did you just elbow the kid? She elbowed the kid. And the kid, like, moves over. The kid's, like, pushed over, shoved over by Pelosi. That's not the bad part. The bad part is that that a spokesman for Pelosi, actually, this guy Hamill, actually admitted that Pelosi elbowed the kid on purpose. This, I was stunned because I thought they were going to try to say, no, look at the video carefully. Maybe it wasn't intentional. Like, like here's what he said. It was intentional. He actually admitted that she intentionally shoved her. And, like, these people, they don't realize how they sound. This, this is, like, mind-boggling. What happened was they're posing for this picture, and the girl kind of gets near, like, behind Pelosi. And so you could argue that's what this spokesman said. He said, no, Pelosi's trying to get her into the picture. She's going to be obstructed by Pelosi. So Pelosi's kind of shoving her to her side because otherwise she's going to fall behind Pelosi and not be noticed in the picture. That was the defense. Now, that that's no defense. That may be true. That may not be true. We'll never know. But – all he's saying is there, he's admitting, oh, yeah, Pelosi, she she elbowed the kid on purpose. Well, but why? Because she was trying to get her – excuse me. If you see a kid is not in a picture and you want to get the kid in the picture, what do you do? You don't elbow the kid. She just – like, first of all, she didn't even say anything to the kid. Number one, you just speak to the kid. The kid know you know, the kid kid can speak. The kid can understand. And, uh, hey, by the way, maybe move over. Or, or maybe in a gentle way you make some kind of motion, but, like, she just elbows the kid – to shove the kid over. That's egregious. So according to their own narrative, they're admitting, yep, yeah, she did it. Yep, Pelosi did it. But she was trying to help the kid. You tried to help the kid? When's the last time you elbowed somebody, anybody, uh, whether you're trying to help them or not? It, it, it's disgraceful. I mean, it's just, it's, it's egregious. And, and like, this is like, they say this stuff. This is like his defense. He's like, oh, wow, the media, they're misconstruing this whole thing. And then he gives this defense. Do you realize that you sound... Like a maniac, by the way, same there, and that's what that is. Nancy Pelosi, right there, you have Nancy Pelosi, you know, at her like like that's the real her. It just it happens to be it's caught on camera. I'm sure she's done this kind of thing for years, but like she she's a vicious person, she's a heartless person, she's totally self centered, and it's the same Nancy Pelosi who remember she shredded Trump's State of the Union speech, sat there doing it. I'm sure she's done this for 50 years, this stuff longer. 70 years, but, uh, you know, now everything's caught on camera. So she's been lucky up until recently. But it's the same Nancy Pelosi. Remember, she went to a hair salon right in the middle of the COVID lockdowns. She's telling everybody they got to wear masks. They got to stay indoors, stay home. 
and uh, keep your business shut. She went to a private hair salon. The hair salon was officially locked down. She went in there. There's a camera. It's on camera without a mask, by the way, during COVID while she's preaching to everybody. They're not allowed to. That's what she did. She boasted. Remember, she boasted about how her freezer was filled with fancy ice cream, uh, showed off uh, a video of her freezer filled with fancy ice cream. Also, during COVID, when people were like desperate, she's an elitist. She's pushy. She's self-centered. By the way, Joe Biden is the same way. So many of these Democrats, so many Democrats, they're, they're like they're so elitist and they're so full of themselves and egotistical. You, you know, Biden, you ever see him insult a reporter for a reporter? Ask him a tough question. What's Biden's response? He's not like he's not like Trump. Trump will go at it. You know, Trump, he'll be tough, Trump, but he'll stick to the issue. But Biden actually insults reporters. He'll treat them like they're subhuman. He's, he just like he personally insults them or insults Republicans who he disagrees with. Um, and Biden helped Hunter get rich. Remember, Biden leveraged the office of the of the, of the vice presidency to help Hunter Biden and the, and his family get rich. And Biden, he insults black children. He insults black adults. Democrats in general. Look, some look. There are some bad Republicans out there. I'm not going to be sit here and say, oh, Republicans are all nice and kind and courteous, and Democrats are all uh, vicious. As a general rule. Democrats tend to be a lot more elitist and a lot more arrogant than Republicans. That's true. But that's not even my point. My point is Trump gets a bad rap. Remember Trump with his nasty tweets, right? Trump is the one. They paint Trump to be some kind of monster. But but, but Biden, Pelosi, Schumer, they're, they're nice, kind, gentle, courteous. They smile. It's all fake. It's all fake. And deep down at their core, they are so much worse, so much nastier, so much more Vicious than Trump. I mean, what would you prefer? Trump with his nasty tweets against Jeff Sessions or, uh, or or Pelosi elbowing a kid? I mean, you think Trump would ever, would ever sh- be, be shoving a kid with his elbow to get him into the picture? All right, that's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.